Welcome in, ladies and gentlemen, to another edition of the Jones Support Tyler Jones here with you. So glad to have you with us. Coming up on today's show, going to be joined by Omar Ruiz of the NFL Network as we'll go around the National Football League with Omar. Plus, we will have Coach Post Football Fix presented by O'Connor Advisory Group, as well as our Big 12 Breakdown and our Tom Fullery Story of the Week. All that and more as we roll on here on the Jones Report this week. And Tom Bridges, as always, joins me. And, you know, we, we were getting ready for the show. And we were just bumping a few moments ago, uh, Way Too Sexy by Drake. And I got to tell you, Tom, uh, that that put me in the mood. I, I got I got all the vibes going in today's show. We're, we're off and rolling on the Jones Report this week. You've been in Dallas too long. I need you to look up a song called South Dallas Swag. South Dallas Swag? I'm in East Dallas, but I think I could pull off some South Dallas Swag. Yeah, look up the song South Dallas Swag. Okay. That's your uh, Tyler Jones, Jones Report hood moment of the week. (laughs) The hood moment of the week. Bad. Uh, you and I were going down to uh, Waco uh, for Oklahoma State Baylor this weekend. We're going to have some hood moments in Waco. Can we can we find the hood in Waco? You think? No, there's there's I don't think there's any hood in Waco. They don't even say sell alcohol in the stadium. You act like you're surprised uh, by that, though. No, I mean I'm not. I am, but I'm not. You know, I know they sell it pretty much everywhere else. I think. I mean. I'm trying to think of as another stadium that I've been in. And I haven't been in it's not like I'm like well traveled, you know, in away games by any means, but um I went to know. K-State last year and they had a beer garden. You couldn't take alcohol outside their specific premises. But you could get a beer at the game. But like I couldn't even see the field. I had to see it off of TVs. I mean, but she could still get chug a beer and then go back. Yes. Right. See, none of that in Waco. Um, so uh, we will do the, uh, you know, it won't be like the last time we went to Stillwater. Um, but we will do it proper. We will be good and somewhat intoxicated. I know I will be before that game starts. Uh, it will be hot. So maybe we'll get the Southern Baptist lemonade i guess at the stand for seven dollars we might have to like sneak some some booze in our uh in our shoes or something you know and so i would normally maybe try that but it's going to be so hot i'm not going to wear jeans and boots uh, or i would put some pocket shots in the in the boots and walk in and then at least get a drink out of it um when i get inside but uh, you know, I don't, I don't know. I don't, I don't know. It's been a long time. It's been a long, long time. It'd be a very nostalgic moment for me to sneak alcohol into a game. Yeah. I don't want to, I don't want to give any secrets out here on the show. I will not self-incriminate. Um, we might be upstanding citizens and just get drunk, hopefully on well, a, a sailgating boat outside of the stadium. That is my goal this weekend, Jones. Well, you're with me, so you boat. know there's a good chance. Like, where there's a will, there's a way for Tyler Jones. There you go. We need to get us on a boat. We need to get on the sailgating boat. So, the Tyler Jones way of getting on a sailgating boat, I think 
we just go for it. Like we don't even think twice about it. We just we just find our way. I can talk my way anywhere, Tom. We've we've been we've been over this before. Right. You know, now Brandon, if there's an OSU boat, we'll be on it. That's that's without a doubt. We gotta get you an OSU shirt. Yeah. We got we gotta get that figured out. I wore my Oklahoma versus everybody shirt at the game in Stillwater a couple weeks ago. That did the job. You can't wear the same shirt twice. Right. You need you need you need orange this weekend for sure. Yeah. I, I need some orange this weekend. Uh I think you're right about that. Uh while we're in Waco, do we need to pay Chip and Joanna a visit at Magnolia? Only if they're there. Yeah. I don't know if they'll be there actually. Maybe. They might be at the game. Who knows? I could use some nice home decor of sorts, you know. I mean, there you go. Let's let's turn my place into a little fixer upper, you know. Oh, right there. It's Chip and Joanna are to Waco like the pioneer woman is to Northeast Oklahoma. Is that what you're saying? Oh, even more so. Right. Do they have their own their own line of? of uh eatery like forks and knives and plates oh, i'm sure they, they got all that uh like that magnolia market down there is supposed to be huge it, it's become quite the destination i, I want to see for see it for myself you know try to uh look at it and see what i can find there you go i've only i've only ever been through waco to go to austin or san antonio and i same Always here. stopped at the Walmart there off the highway to get gas. Um, I, I've become – I'm not trying to get in touch with my phone inside too much here, but, Tom, I have become a candle connoisseur, and I, I think I could find some, some good candles. I mean, Joanna, I mean, she, she's got some style to her. I mean, she's she's pretty cute, No no cap. Uh, yeah, I agree. I bet she's got some good smells. I bet Joanna Gaines smells nice. I would hope so. She looks like she would. Well, we right. need to get you guns. We need to get you a a, a real set of uh, wine glasses. We need to get you a a good set of wine glasses, like some real red and white wine glasses. Yes, we do. That's a great that way. That way, we can drink in class together on the show. Yes, that'd be a great idea. You know, our friend Billy, who's going with us. Tom, I mean, you and I are just excited about, like, going to Magnolia, you know, finding these things. I mean, if he doesn't know what Magnolia is or doesn't see for himself, like, his mind's going to be blown. He's going to love it even more than, than us. Well, yeah, Billy's the main home decor cat. Right. He, I mean, this this we're talking about Billy. We're talking about a guy that plants flowers. Right. You know, I, I I had a front garden. I still didn't even do that because I, I, I wasn't gonna do that. Not not the first year. I I thought, well, I don't really have the wherewithal to to go out to Lowe's and buy flowers and redecorate. Now, maybe this spring, but you know, I was there for a while. I was doing good to take care of myself, let alone a plant. So, but now I have plants and I have wine glasses and. I, I have it all inside. Now I just got to do the outside. Very nice. I like that. 
That's great. Tom, uh, we'll talk more Big 12 football in depth when we get to our uh, Big 12 breakdown in uh, just a little while from right now. But we begin in the National Football League is uh, where I want to start with uh, today's show, as we do more times than not. And here we are a few weeks in. I, I-, I want to know, give me, Tom, kind of your 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 biggest hot take from the NFL at this point. What What would be something that you would put your name on to something that you believe that maybe no one else or very few people do? Man, that's a great question. Um, you know, I, I, I'm seeing a lot of people high on the Miami Dolphins. Um, here's what I think. Tua cannot withstand the entirety of a season. I still think they win the FC South, but they do not. I'm going to say Dolphins. You mean the AFC East? Oh, yeah, sorry. Well, no, no. Yeah, sorry. Sorry. Yeah, that, that too. You think they win that division over the Bills? Well, here's the thing. I think they could win it, but if they don't, regardless, I here's here's what I think. I think the Dolphins do not make the divisional round. Okay. Maybe that's a hot take. Maybe it's not. If you want a hotter take, if you want a hotter take, um, mm, a hotter take, Jacksonville. The Jacksonville Jaguars to make it to the AFC Championship game. Whoa. Okay. Now that's kind of, spicy. That's spicy right there. Kind of like the Bengals. Kind of like the Bengals. Like the Bengals of last year. See, my hot take was going to be that the Jags are the best team in the AFC South and they're going to win the division. But you have taken things – a huge step further and said that they're going to go to the AFC championship. You, you wanted a super hot take. I give like it. it. No, no, no. I'm not discouraging that at all. I like how spicy you got with that. You know, and, and on the, on the other flip side, give me a Rams Eagles NFC championship game. Okay. That's not near as spicy as Jacksonville, but. Yeah. Um, Rams Eagles. Trevor Lawrence is is putting it together. I mean you have to prove something. That that flow that he's got with his hair. I mean Christian Kirk too. All that money they paid Christian Kirk. And right now it doesn't look like a bad investment. He's played really well to this point. There he has. And you know that defense, Tom, there in Jacksonville, all the talk was you know about their number one pick, Trayvon Walker and how excited they were to have him. Devin Lloyd's looked like the best defensive rookie in the entire league right now. Um, He's been dominant. He's been forcing turnovers. He's tied for the lead in sacks and forced fumbles among rookies. I mean, Devin Lloyd is really popping off the page here. I mean, that Jags defense is something else. I and mean, they they're coming together, you know. And I think if bearing any injury, like I said, I I I don't think they're the one or two seed going in. But I like I said, I think they're the 
Kind of like the Bengals last year. I like that. Um, let's go on the on the negative side of things. Um, another hot take for you. Okay, here's one I got. The and and maybe this isn't spicy enough, but it is a claim, a bold claim. I'll put it that way. The Raiders' season is done. Point blank over Sayonara. Raiders aren't making the playoffs. I don't know what Derek Carr's future holds. Josh McDaniels looks like he's on a track to get himself fired. Um, you don't bounce back from 0-3. It is extremely rare and extremely hard to do so. And they just don't have great coaching. Look, there's talent. Um, Devontae Adams, Josh Jacobs, I mean, Darren Waller, they got players. But – it takes great coaching to bounce back from being down 0-3. And they just don't have it right now. I, I'm I'm writing off the Raiders. Not saying they won't win some games and won't play spoiler and give teams some problems this year. I still think that could happen. But as far as making the playoffs go, um, we can we can write off the Raiders as far as I'm concerned, Tom. Yeah, I think we could too. And you want to go hotter. Might catch some flag for this. I think the Dallas Cowboys season's done. At two and one? I just think even with Dak coming back, I'm not a believer. I th- I think they already have it in their mind, Jones, to fire Mark Mike McCarthy. Yeah. I really I think it's already in the cards, right? Like I, I think they're I don't know. It's it's uh, kind of like you've decided to break up with your girlfriend, but you don't know when. They're just waiting on that win, right? It's already been decided. They just got to figure it out. They're not going to end zone him like Herm Edwards was at end zoned. But I wouldn't doubt if he got tarmacked. Um, you know, Cooper Rush, sure, is keeping their hopes alive. I think even when Dak come back, you know, meh. They have the like the third easiest schedule in the league. So lose a couple of games here and there. McCarthy's gone. I, I don't think this Dallas team makes it to playoffs. Okay. Okay. That would be uh interesting. Uh, you know, the the Cowboys, they're better right now than I thought, in the sense that, you know, when they lost Dak. And the way they played against Tampa Bay. Here, here's where I would be devil's advocate, Tom. We have learned in the last couple of weeks that Tampa Bay has a really good defense. I mean, it's true. You know, the way based on the way things have gone, and you know they shut down Dak and that Cowboy offense week one. But the Cowboys have played like a different team the last two weeks since with back-to-back wins there against Cincinnati and the New York Giants, and doing so with a backup quarterback in Cooper Rush. So, I mean, with that said, is is this all about, for you, Tom, are you still looking at that game against Tampa and what happened and, and can't get over that? Or is there more to you of what you've seen from Dallas than just that one bad night against the Fox? You know, I just think they're – you know, you could call me wrong here. I just I, – I don't think – with how good the Eagles are doing right now, you sure they beat the Giants, 
And, you know, we don't, none of us believe in the commanders, but, uh, you know, they have, I'm trying to think, they have the Rams coming up. Um, I'm trying to think who they have. They have the Eagles coming up too. Sorry, excuse me. The Rams and Eagles are both coming up in the next three weeks. And then I forget, maybe the 49ers here soon. Um, I, 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 I'm trying to piece together the schedule real quick, but the next couple of weeks are going to be hard for them. And, uh, you know, Dak had kind of mentioned that he would probably be back for the Rams game, not obviously this week, but the next week. Um, that game is in L.A. I, I think they could drop fairly quickly. Um, and, you know, Mike McCarthy being Mike McCarthy, I just I, I don't put any trust in them. Yeah. Yeah, I get I could see that. Uh, it's it's like the boy who's cried wolf too many times the last couple of years. Right. I'm not listening to him anymore. <laughs> what about the uh the Giants? What do we think of New York at this point? Tom, two and one, you lose a close game to Dallas. Um last week I said that they looked like the worst two and O team of all time. Um the Tennessee win they had doesn't look so great anymore either. Um, look, we have been – I wouldn't necessarily say defenders of Daniel Jones, Tom, but we have we have said that he's not as bad as people made him out to be. But I think here it is in year, what, four of Daniel Jones? I mean, is he is he bad? No, but he's never going to be great. He's never going to be elite. And that's going to continue to hold this Giants team back. I think that what's best for all parties involved when this season ends is to move on from Daniel Jones, draft a rookie quarterback, and let Brian Dable build things from there. Brian Dable has looked like he's done a good job and things are heading the right direction, but it's it, it's going to need to be built from the ground up. He's going to need a fresh start with that quarterback position. Yeah, it's going to have to change eventually, and I think it will. You know, uh, Daniel Jones got a lot of flack. I don't think he's played terrible either way, but I think everyone, you know, that's a Giants fan is going to have to somewhat come to terms and uh, realize that, yeah, probably probably the best year. Yeah, I think so. I think you're absolutely right about that. Um, the the slate of games this week, and we'll give our picks out coming up later on in our uh, picks against the spread segment. But uh, of the games that interest me, Tom, there there's a few that come to mind in particular. Dolphins Bengals tonight Thursday night football. Uh, to his status, we'll see if he plays or not, but feels like a must win game for the Bengals. Chiefs Bucks. I don't even need to tell you anything more. Chiefs Bucks are playing. Um, and then on top of that, the other intriguing game for me is that Rams 49ers game on Monday night. Must win for the Niners. Uh, the Rams trying to beat San Francisco, which they don't do very often these days. To me, those are the most intriguing games of the weekend. What are the most intriguing games to you? And and uh, maybe those I mentioned or maybe those I didn't mention, Tom. 
Jones, those are all games that definitely intrigue me, especially, you know, the Bengals game, because I think that's a must win for them. But, uh, you know, if I had to pick one of those specifically, you know, I would I'd be biased to say the Rams. Um, but that one probably least intrigues me. The one that most intrigues me is probably Kansas City at Tampa Bay, not only for the weather storyline behind it, but I, I, you know, we'll talk more about this. You know, I talked to TJ this week, um, and you'll hear that on the Big 12 breakdown, but I talked to him um, briefly off air about that game and, and just how that, this isn't really the maybe the Tampa Bay team that we come to expect in the in the that last week game, you know, Rodgers versus Brady. That wasn't really the matchup I don't think everybody expected. It was really actually a poor game. Um and you know, I know the weather may affect this game the time that this is being recorded right now. They have till Friday afternoon. Um, the the powers that be to to either host that game in Minneapolis or um, still have it in Tampa, maybe move it to Monday night football early slot, or even maybe Tuesday. I've heard, um, but Brady doesn't look like the same Brady, and maybe I'm being prisoner of the moment. But that game intrigues me the most right now. You got Kansas City coming off of a game against Indianapolis that they should not have lost. They should, they played like trash. Uh, they were not focused at all and they definitely slept on that game. And, and so it'll be interesting to see how Kansas city responds, but also, um, how Tampa responds. I mean, Brady will have Mike Evans back, but, uh, did not look very good at all against the Packers. Yeah. Yeah. I, I- I'm very interested in that uh, as well. One game we didn't mention, and we'll talk about more later, that Bills-Ravens game with uh, the injury front of the Ravens with as much as they're banged up. I believe it's like 16 players are on their injury list, including IR. Um, And there's some guys that are just – Biting time for it. trying to get Roddy Stanley back, trying to get Gus Edwards back. Some of these guys here, Tom, you know, a game against the Bills here, as good as the Ravens have looked, this comes at a bad time to be playing the Bills here. Bills coming off a loss. We know they're as talented as any team in the NFL. Um, if I'm the Ravens, I- I'd be wanting to play this game later in the year when they're healthier because. When these teams are at full strength, I think the Ravens could go toe-to-toe with the Bills and possibly beat them. But right now, I, I think this Ravens team's a little too shorthanded. It'll be a competitive game, but it's hard for me to envision an outcome of the Ravens beating this Bills team right now. Not even saying that the Bills are going to be the better team later in the season. But at this point right now, just with everything in in the Ravens' way, uh, that's that's bad timing. Yeah, it's not maybe the best timing, but, you know, the Bills do have a, a decent amount uh, of good players out on defense. Um, you know, they lose a heartbreaker against Miami. Well, and, you know, you could say the same thing for the Ravens. They lost that game against Miami. They should not have lost. Um, I mean, that was a, 
a huge breakdown for them. And, you know, you could say the same thing about the Bills. Uh, you know, you saw their OC freaked out and, you know, tried to break the Microsoft Service tablet a la Tom Brady. So uh, that's going to be a violent game. There's going to be a lot to prove on both sides come this weekend. And, um, you know, I, I know you'll be in office Sunday and me and Billy will be back on our way to back to Tulsa um, after this weekend, after we go to the Oklahoma State Baylor game. But um, I'll have YouTube TV pulled up just for that game. Uh, it's, it's, there's going to be, it's, it's, I wouldn't call it bad blood, but it'll have that same feel. Yeah, I think so. Uh, we will have more NFL discussion coming up later on when Omar Ruiz and the NFL Network joins us. Also, Coach Bo is going to stop by. So we'll look forward to that coming up in just a little while from right now. Up next is our Big 12 breakdown. Later on, we'll have our tomfoolery story of the week as well. A lot more to get to here on the Jones Report this week. It is now time for the Big 12 breakdown. Tyler Jones, Thomas Bridges here with you with a look around the Big 12 conference. And as we do each and every week here on the Big 12 breakdown, we begin with our hot takes in the Big 12 conference as uh, we try to keep things spicy around here. And Tom, I know just last week, we were talking about this Oklahoma team after having a resounding win against Nebraska. Granted, not a good team, but a road win against the rival and beating him in the fashion they did. It was a statement win. And we talked about how Oklahoma, that was a different Oklahoma team that we had not seen before in a long time. And that they looked like a playoff team, a playoff caliber winning team. I'm, I'm going 180 this week. Call it overreaction Monday, whatever you may be. I don't care. But Oklahoma losing to Kansas State team that lost to Tulane, might I add you, and an Oklahoma team that could not stop Adrian Dan Martinez here, of all people. Um, look, that's just the first Big 12 conference game. Granted, the schedule plays kindly to OU that they get Oklahoma State and Baylor at home, but hell, K State was a home game too. Um, the bleeding's not stopping. There's going to be another loss or two for this Oklahoma team. OU's playoff hopes are done. I know they aren't technically. I know that they could, if they went out, there's a good chance Oklahoma could still get in. But I am within a week. Changing my complete tune on OU. I'm selling the Sooners. I'm done. They're 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 not a playoff team. Their season's over, as far as I'm concerned. Is is that too much of a hot take there, or you agree? Yeah, Jones. I don't know if their season's done or not. You know, I I I like what Gundy has to say about this whole entire league. That you know, the Big Twelve Championship might be a, a two teams that are also two or three loss playing to claim that championship. And by that logic, you know, the big 12 would end up missing out of the college football playoff. So that is not too far fetched to say, um, you know, 
Uh, I, I, this league, I think the parity that we've seen would not be shocking if we did make it on our own accord because the Big 12 just beat each other up too much. With, with that said, I, I say their season's done, essentially, that they're not going to make the playoff here. With Brent Venables in his first year, do we judge success by them being a playoff team or not? I mean, if if, if let's say that they win out or even if they lose another and they still win the Big 12, is that a success for, for, uh, for Brent Venables in his first year in Norman? I would say so. A lot of OU fans say playoff or bust, but they've been spoiled, you know, like, They've had the transfer portal obviously work out for them from Baylor to Kyler to Jalen. And then after that, I think they had that momentum built up, that somewhat false momentum of, of kind of like, well, I guess this is going to how it's going to have to be every year, which yeah. is, you know, you realistically, you, you don't expect a brand-new head coach, a brand-new transfer quarterback in Dylan Gabriel – who is the lesser of the total of four of uh, past transfers being Baker, Kyler, Jalen, and now Dylan. He's the less, he's, he's the least of those. You, you, oh, he, and he's not he really, he's really so not many wide open receivers. It's ridiculous. Right, right. And, you know, he hasn't turned the ball over really. Um, but, you know, at the end of the day, like a lot of people expect him to keep that same standard, and it's just, to be honest, it's unrealistic. Yeah, yeah, I think uh, I think you, you have a good point there. How about you? What's your uh, Big Twelve hot take this week, Tom? Big Twelve hot take coming straight here. I'm gonna stay away from Baylor and Oklahoma State. I I don't think anything I could say would technically be a hot take. Um, I will say my hot take is that, um, here's a quick one. KU beats Iowa State and Lawrence. Jalen Daniels does not have the best of days. And instead, that Neil kid, Devin Neal, yeah. is that his name? Mm -hmm. Devin, Devin Neal is the one that shows out and gets, is responsible for the dub. That's my hot take. Okay. Um, that would be interesting because Jalen Daniels has looked terrific uh, so far this year, and we don't really know how good this Iowa State team is at this point. I mean, that remains right. to be seen. Um, it's a great unknown. You know, I mean, they, they lost to Baylor, but they beat Iowa, and it's just like, who are they? I don't know who Iowa State is. So, and, and if Daniels struggles, do they have enough? To overcome that. That's why it's a hot take, baby. Right. Oh, yeah. It's a very good hot take. Um, that, I, I don't know, because that offense is so dependent on him. That would be very interesting to see. Um, well, when I say struggles, I don't mean he the bed, but right. he doesn't have a Heisman candidate-worthy game by any means. Sure. That's my hot take. Okay. He does uh, enough to get it done, but it's not – you're not writing home about it. Um, one more thing, and then we'll uh, break down the games in the conference this week, the, uh, the slate of games here. Uh, report from CBS Sports' Dennis Dodd this week that the Pac-12 could be close to a demise with the Big Ten 
potentially getting a TV package with Amazon uh, or a streaming service to and be able to bring in four Pac-12 schools, Oregon, Washington, Stanford, and Cal. And then that would open the door then for the four corner schools, Utah, Colorado, Arizona, and Arizona State to come to the Big 12 and be the end of the Pac-12 as we know it. Um, you know, the, the Big 12 is already starting negotiating their new TV contract. You know, they've begun those negotiations now. They know Baylor and Houston and BYU and Cincinnati and UCF are on the way next year. Oklahoma and Texas are on the way out. Um, I'll say this. I do not know what the end result will officially be. None of us do, really, for that matter. But with what we do know right now, I think that we can all feel pretty confident as we've talked about lately, and this kind of just reassures what we've talked about. Things are going to be okay. For a league that's been unstable as it's been for quite some time, the Big 12, um, and granted, I want this league to be proactive and, and aggressive, but I think it, it is interesting to sit back and not be in the, in the seat of worry and the trust, not on the brink of elimination here. The Big 12 is is not that conference right now. All eyes are on what happens to the Pac-12, and then everything goes from there right now. I mean, the, the Big 12 is, to use a NASCAR term, Tom, they're, they're in the catbird seat right now. So with that, let's uh, take a look now at the Big 12 slate this week. And uh, five games, all conference games this week in the Big 12. They include, uh, starting at 11 a.m., Oklahoma taking on TCU, that game in Fort Worth. The Sooners are six-and-a-half-point favorites on the road. And TCU 3-0, one of just a couple teams in the conference with an undefeated record at this point. Max Duggan appears to be the guy for TCU for now. Um, I like Chandler Morris, but, uh, you know, he dealt with that injury in that first game. And Duggan, for the most part, ha has done a, a decent job going, you know, 47-61. 695 yards and eight touchdowns at this point. Um, Duggan, I, I would say that uh, he and this uh, TCU team are running into a buzzsaw here at this point. This Oklahoma team, this Sooner team, does not lose back-to-back -back games very often. And I, I like Oklahoma, and I like Oklahoma big here. They are a much more talented team. And going on the road with a chip on their shoulder, back-to-back -back weeks, to the DFW area here for OU as they'll play against uh, Texas next week there at the uh, Cotton Bowl. Um, you know, and, and something to prove, you know, Dylan Gabriel not looking very accurate last week, missing on some open receivers. I think that Oklahoma team has a wake-up call. Now, I told you earlier that I'm selling this Oklahoma team as far as their playoff hopes or anything like that. But I do think that this Oklahoma team does bounce back this week, that they deliver a statement, deliver a message that at least they're not going away quietly. This team's not going to give up. Rick Finnables isn't going to let that happen. I like Oklahoma to take care of business against TCU there. Also at 11 a.m. on Saturday, K-State and Texas Tech. The Wildcats come in ranked 25th in the nation. And 
K-State favored by eight in this game, taking on the Red Raiders here. K-State now, you got the win last week against Texas Tech. And that was a big deal. Or, or against Oklahoma, rather. That was a big deal to get that road win. And we saw Adrian Martinez just unleash. And I heard a great interview with Allison Williams, who was on the sidelines for Fox doing the broadcast. She was on with a Dan Dockage on Outkick this week. And she said that from what she had talked about and what she had heard, that Adrian Martinez really just unleashed, that he played with a freedom that he never played with before, that he was playing so afraid to turn the football over and to lose control. And now what we've, we've seen out of Adrian Martinez and this K-State bunch is, you know, just playing loose, just trying to, uh, you know, have fun again, essentially in the football field. And Texas Tech, not a bad team. We heard, you know, McGuire, their head coach last week, say that, you know, Texas Tech is putting, putting the nation on notice now after that win against Texas. I thought that was a bit much, uh, quite frankly. But K-State at home, coming in with momentum, uh, bad timing for Texas Tech here. Texas Tech is a improved team from last year. But K-State, I think they found that spark they were looking for. And now we see a new Adrian Martinez. I like K-State to take the advantage and get the win here. Uh, 2.30 window. Iowa State taking on Kansas. As mentioned, we do not know who this uh, Iowa State team is through a few games. They're 3-1, and one, lost to Baylor, but who are they? I don't know who this Iowa State team is. Kansas, meanwhile, I know that they can put up points and that they can hang with anybody. They're going to score. they got a great quarterback at Jayla Daniels. they got a good run game. Kansas can do it all. I've seen this Iowa State team at times not have a good offense and not be able to put up points. And so with that said, uh, I'm riding the wave of momentum. I'm going with Kansas to win this game, to get the win on their home turf. I think that we're talking about KU in a couple of weeks taking a visit to Norman and being undefeated. I think that's realistic at this point. I think you win this week, you beat TCU the next week, and KU comes to Norman with an undefeated record. And that would certainly catch a lot of eyeballs. I know this week it was a bit ridiculous. It was a bit too far when uh, we saw the projections of them going to the Sugar Bowl and facing Alabama. That may have been a bit much. But I got to tell you, Things are heading in the right direction. Things are looking good in Lawrence. I like that it to continue against Iowa State. Oklahoma State and Baylor. Game in Waco, 2.30 Central Time on Saturday. And you have a Baylor team that is very physical. And an Oklahoma State team that's very physical. And for me, what, what I'm looking at, at this Baylor and Oklahoma State game. For me, it, it's going to be about who can establish running the football because I don't know what I'm going to see from, from Spencer Sanders. Sanders has played really well this year, but you always know that 
you're only one week away from that Spencer Sanders letdown. Oklahoma State has to run the football well. Baylor, if they do that, that makes things a lot easier on Blake Shapin. To me, that's what I'm watching for is who is going to run the football better. And I, I lean more towards Oklahoma State in this game personally, um, as far as I'm concerned. And and I think they play with an edge. They don't – I mean, all offseason long, this Oklahoma State team saw – what happened when they were a yard short of winning the Big 12 title and potentially going to the college football playoff? Uh, they got something proved. This is personal for Oklahoma State. This one, this one means more, as they say. I, I'm, I like Oklahoma State here. Um, and then the nightcap, West Virginia taking on Texas. Both teams at two and two. We might see Quinn Ewers back this week. Look, I've said things about Texas on this show. Um, Texas has got problems. Uh, Sark and company, they've taken some steps in the right direction. Sure. But this week, you're taking on a West Virginia team that, sure, they got a win against Virginia Tech last week. But there is literally no hope for West Virginia. I mean, every week is Neil Brown firing watch at this point. I mean, that's what this comes down to. And so with that, Texas, the more down team, they're the home team. This is one of those games that says Texas should win, but are they going to pull a Texas and let this one slip away? Everything points to that Texas should win this game. But we'll see. I lean towards Texas. I think Texas can win and cover, but it might be time for another Texas letdown game. This is all about UT for me. It's not even about West Virginia. West Virginia, I'm done with. Uh, you're you're dead to me. Texas, what do you got? Let's see. Coming up on the other side, still more to get to as we're talking all the football you could think of here on today's show. Stay with us. Joining us now on the Jones Report this week is a familiar friend of ours, Omar Ruiz of the NFL Network, is back on the show as we go around the National Football League. Omar, always a pleasure talking to you, my friend, and uh, thanks for joining us. How are things going? Yeah, no problem, Tyler. Always great to be with you. It's week four. Can you believe that already? Next week, it'll be October. So uh, football season's here. The fall is coming. And uh, the fall is here. And so, you know, these NFL teams are starting to take shape and some of the races, we're starting to see what they're going to look like. And uh, yeah, it's fun. You know, we're, we're, we're full, bo full bore in it, full speed ahead. Let's go. Yeah. And uh, before I dive into too much shop here with you, Omar, uh, just catching up on things, you're telling me before the show that uh, we, we, we got to roll through this interview because you got a good dinner on hand here. What's on tap of the, the Ruiz house tonight? Oh yeah. Just grilling some chicken sausages. We found these, uh, these sausages that are very flavorful, have a little kick to them, but they're also, uh, you know, I don't know if you call them fat free or whatever, but low calorie or something like that. So it tastes great. They're good for you. I'll probably, my wife will grill some onions, maybe make some of her spicy relish. Uh, that she's been making. Uh, so yeah, kind of a simple dinner, maybe have a beer on hand for the grill and uh, let's get this Wednesday rolling. 
I love it. I love it. That sounds great. Uh, Omar, uh, where I want to start out today, uh, the situation with the Chiefs and Bucks. at the time we're taping this, there's talk about potentially moving this game to Minneapolis uh, with the hurricane and everything involved here. And uh, what, what a bizarre situation. I, I would think that the main goal is, especially for NBC, no matter where this game's at, to get this game played Sunday night, no matter what. Yeah, the game will be played, you know, that's for sure, whether it's in Tampa or in Minneapolis, as you mentioned. The NFL would obviously not want to move the game, but they will move it. And I think when we're taping this, it's a few days before actual Sunday. If by Sunday emergency services are still needed in the Tampa area, the NFL would not want to divert, um, you know, police force, the security presence that's needed at an NFL game. They wouldn't want to pull those resources away from hurricane relief. So that would be uh, where the game would need to be moved if, if there is still all hands on deck in Tampa for hurricane relief and there's not enough of the logistical support needed for an NFL game, they'd move it. Um, because I think weather-wise, I think the hurricane would have passed by Sunday night. But, you know, that's what they're monitoring at this point. What damage is done, how much resources are needed for the cleanup, and what all is involved with that. So it's one of those situations that, you know, during COVID, during other hurricane times, we've learned that the NFL literally has a contingency plan for every game on the docket every single week. And if we're talking about the Rams and the 49ers on Monday night, there's a contingency plan for if there was an earthquake on Sunday in the Bay Area and they force it to move. So no matter what game is, is, is out there every single week, NFL has a contingency plan. The Minneapolis movement is a possibility for this weekend's game for that one in Tampa. So interesting to see all of that dynamic come to play in times like these. But first and foremost, we just hope for everyone's safety uh, in the Florida region right now. Oh, uh, of course, absolutely. And so with that, uh, what of this contingency plan and everything, what, what's the idea behind playing in Minneapolis as opposed to making this a game in Kansas City where – I, I could pretty much guarantee you put it in Kansas City, that would be a sellout. Minnesota, I don't know last minute of how that would arrange with being a neutral site and everything. I, I would think this has to do with fairness of giving the Bucs, uh, you know, taking away a home game, trying to make it as fair as possible here. Yeah, I would imagine it has to do with competitive advantage. I was just looking over some notes on previous times that the NFL has moved a game. I remember seeing um, the Saints during the Katrina uh, year 2005 I believe they had a home game moved to New York now, obviously we've known by now how extenuating circumstances uh, Katrina was uh, in 2005 so uh, I would imagine the competitive advantage it ha has more to do with it than anything um, at this point um, but uh, but yeah it'll be something certainly to monitor and whether it's in Minneapolis or Tampa um, you know I, th I think Patrick Mahomes, the Chiefs, Andy Reid, they'll be ready for sure. Yeah, for sure. Uh, let me ask you about uh, Lamar Jackson. He uh, looks like the MVP favorite, or at least one of those right now with the way that he's played, leading the league and passing touchdowns, touchdowns and QBR, coming off a year where he was injured last year and playing in a contract situation. What a uh, what a story here for Lamar Jackson and that, that Ravens team, especially with the offensive line issues they've had in the running game not being there either. Yeah, it's a remarkable feat that he's pulling off. In fact, him and, and uh, Josh Allen, it's going to be the first time that two quarterbacks will have ever played each other leading 
their teams respectively in rushing yards and rushing touchdowns, period. Not just, you know, for quarterbacks, but even amongst running backs. So it's historical in that, right? Lamar has putting his own stamp on this season. You know, you watch his 2019 MVP year, and he's gotten that much better in these past three years, just his pocket presence, his ability to throw, uh, you know, with timing uh, down in the end zone, red zone, everything like that. I, I think he runs, you know, as effectively as ever, but he's a little more judicious when he does run the football and, and it's as effective as we saw on Sunday when he needed to put the game away in Foxborough. He did on the eight yard run to score uh, near the end of the fourth quarter. So, um, you know, he, he's as dangerous as ever, but, you know, I think he's uh, that much better of a passer than he was when he first entered the league. And the quarterback battle, him and Josh Allen, somehow this is a one o'clock Eastern time game, <laughs> which blows my mind. But nonetheless, here are two quarterbacks that were in the same draft class and forever going to be compared with each other here. Uh, I mean, th- this would be great to see these two go head to head. Yeah. And given that, you know, they're in the AFC could be a, a Titanic clash that we're talking about for years and years to come, you know, a la Peyton Manning and Tom Brady when they were, uh, in the AFC dominating for years and years. And, and, you know, I got to see Josh Allen week one when he was here to kick off the season in Los Angeles. And, and, and I've seen him play before I've covered, you know, Josh Allen games previously, but there, there is just something to seeing him in person, the way the ball just flies off, uh, flies out of his hand, but it's still a catchable ball. You know, you see a lot of times, Tyler, guys that have those cannons, uh, it just sails through, the receiver's hands is just too hard. Um, but, but the way Josh Allen throws the ball is somehow still able to melt into the receiver's hands is, you know, to see it in person is pretty amazing. So uh, we're blessed to see this game. Um, you know, we just had the matchup of the, uh, the two veteran goats this past Sunday with, uh, with Brady and Rogers. We're going to get another matchup of goats with, with Brady and Mahomes, And then perhaps the, uh, the mid twenties, uh, sort of matchup now with Lamar and, and Josh Allen going to head to head. And we're, we're just spoiled, Tyler, because I'm talking about all these matchups. That's not even to mention the Josh Allen to a Tungavailoa matchup we had last weekend. And then the Tua Lamar matchup the weekend before that, and that legendary right. comeback. So no matter which way you go, I think the NFL, for all the talk a few years ago with, you know, Drew Brees and Peyton Manning and, and Aaron Rodgers and Tom Brady kind of, you know, fading in into the twilights of their careers and what was the future of the NFL is going to be, you know, golly, these, these quarterbacks we have nowadays has certainly um, shown that we're in good hands for years to come. Oh, no question about it. I mean, every week in this league is entertaining, exciting because of that quarterback position. And so with that, the bills coming off that loss against the dolphins last week, and now taking on a very good Ravens team here. What do you think the Ravens, or, or what do you think the Bills, rather, need to do to kind of reset and get, get back on track after that loss last week? I mean, they were so dominant the previous two weeks, they looked like a whole different team last week. Yeah, and, you know, I attribute some of that to the fact that they were missing their starting safety unit, Jordan Poyer and Micah Hyde. And Hyde, of course, is gone for the year now. Um, a devastating loss because you look at the foundation of that team. They've had tremendous leaders in that locker room throughout the Sean McDermott, Brandon Bean era, but you look at the safety duo, Micah Hyde, Jordan Poyer, they are the holdovers that have been there the entire time. And they were part of the foundation when they were brought in with Sean McDermott to, to lay out what Buffalo has built here in the last several years, the consistent winner, 
um, the accountability in that locker room and, and to have them both off of the field, um, I think was something that was a little, a little you know, more difficult to handle than, than, um, than I think we anticipated. And so you know, they lost that game. Um, you know, hopefully Poyer will be back this week remains to be seen. We also saw Dane Jackson get hurt. So in other words, the secondary was just banged up. And of course, when you're facing Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle, uh, you know, you need sort of all hands on deck for that. And so, um, you know, when you're talking about facing a Ravens team out with Lamar as, uh, as good as, um, potentially his young receivers can be, I think he still counts on Mark Andrews and the way Matt Milano has been playing. I think that's a good matchup for him. And, and that pass rush has to get home. Um, you know, traditionally, you know, you think you would count on the pass rush and the secondary to kind of play hand in hand, but sometimes, you know, Von Miller might be counted on to dominate a game, um, you know, if, if the secondary remains banged up. So those are the kinds of things I think you'll need to see from the Bills to get back on track. Milano continues to step up and make plays and that pass rush to get home uh, even more so now. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Omar, let's stay in the uh, AFC. The uh, Broncos and Raiders coming up this Sunday. The Raiders at 0-3. I think everybody's shocked that they've had this bad start like they've had, especially these close games. The Broncos two and one, but Russell Wilson hasn't played well to start the season here. A lot of criticism to Nathaniel Hackett as well here. Critical game for for both these teams already at week four. It is remarkable. Um, First, I'm going to start about the Broncos because as much criticism as Hackett has gotten, and it's been deserved, you know, those those are critical mistakes that he's made um, to be sure. And, and as much as Russell Wilson has left you wanting for that $230 million contract and Eli Manning even had some fun at Russell's expense, expense on Monday, they are two and one Tyler. And, yeah. and, and when, when you talk about wins and how precious they are in the NFL, that, that is something not to be taken for granted. And so the fact that they can get all their little problems that they've had the first three weeks fixed, then you're looking at a very dangerous team, a team that you know, we thought might be a contender when the year began. They certainly haven't played like it, but, you know, if they can stack those wins while they're figuring it out, good for them. And meanwhile, the Raiders, who a lot of us kind of put in that Super Bowl contention because of the 10-7 and year they had last year, all the headaches and problems they had throughout from, you know, John Gruden and Henry Ruggs and all the off-field issues that they had last year, the fact that they were able to hang in, get to the playoffs, reload with Devontae Adams – and Chandler Jones, for them to start off 0-3 this year, I think underscores how difficult it is to win in the NFL. You can't just show up and and do it, regardless of the amount of talent you have on your team. But I also think it, you know, one of those things, Tyler, we saw in the offseason several times over when we're talking about the Raiders and how much talent they had, the star power that they added. We'd also see on those graphics how, you know, their first three picks from the last – four drafts aren't on the team anymore or just haven't really contributed. And that's going to come back to haunt you at some point. You can't just, you know, keep living like that um, and expect to have a successful franchise. So I think maybe we're seeing some of that. The depth just isn't there. The quality of, you know, the 53 man roster um, has yet to be filled out by this new crew. Um, You know, Ziegler and McDaniels, you know, forming that power, power dynamic there. So, um, you know, there's a multitude of reasons why a team starts 0-3, the lack of depth, um, 
you know, lack of, you know, get, getting the offense and rhythm for all the star power they have and the three-headed monster with Renfro and Waller, in addition to Adams, you know, Josh Jacobs and Brandon Bolden and the rest of that running back crew, you know, they need to become more consistent. So it is certainly surprising, all those big names we just talked about. But yeah. all that said, there are 14 games left. And, you know, 10 and 7 got you into the playoffs last year. So if you're looking at that right now, that's 10 and 4. Right. You know, go to the rest of the way. And that yeah. is not unthinkable right now at this point in the season. What I wonder with the Russell Wilson thing, obviously things have not gone great to start the season. Everybody's been talking about what Eli Manning said on the Manning cast <laughs> the other night and uh, about his comment with that contract and everything. And, and I look at that, I mean, you know, Omar, these things take time. I mean, it doesn't always happen overnight here. I mean, as far as I'm concerned, Russell Wilson still has it's it's not going to be necessarily overnight. It's not always that case here. I, I, I'm I'm not if I'm a Denver fan, which I'm not, but if I was, I'm not worried yet. But if this continues in a couple of weeks, then maybe we have a different discussion. But it seems a little too early to be in panic mode about Russell Wilson and this Denver team. Do, do you think? Yeah, absolutely. If you go back to 2019 when Matt LaFleur first partnered with Aaron Rodgers, and of course, Nathaniel Hackett was the offensive coordinator in those days. Aaron Rodgers and LaFleur, there was all kinds of different stories. They're not on the same page. Who's really calling the audibles? Does Aaron Rodgers have audible power in that offense? And, and they didn't jive at all yet. They still found a way to win 13 games despite Aaron Rodgers not playing like the typical Aaron Rodgers. So it did take almost a whole season. Then what happens after that? The next two years, he's the MVP. Once they had the time to gel, once Rodgers felt comfortable in that offense, once Matt LaFleur allowed Rodgers to insert his thoughts and ideas and and his imprint on that offense. And I think we're just seeing the same thing right now with Hackett and Wilson. They're just figuring it out. Um, Wilson is good enough, you know, to lead the team to two wins so far. Um, how many more they'll get? I don't know. You know, obviously he's not in the same class necessarily as Aaron Rodgers. So, um, you know, they also had Devonte Adams in that offense, you know, a little, a little different right. circumstance, but to your point, I do think it is too early to panic. I think they will figure it out. And when they do, uh, there will be a good football team. How good will, will be the question. With that said, I think two things can be true here though. Um, everyone coming into this year was building up how, it was going to be such a murderous row for the Chiefs to go through in this division, uh, <laughs> going up against you know the Chargers, who are now one and two, the Raiders, who are now zero and three, Broncos two and one. I, I think the two things can be true: that okay, Denver maybe isn't as bad as people think, but this AFC West isn't as good as what people thought either. Yeah, and it just goes to show you the games aren't played on paper. Right. You know, you can stack those rosters up, but there there is something too to kind of what you were alluding to, teams taking time to gel. And I think I think we have, if it's even possible, underrated how good Patrick Mahomes is. Yes. I mean, you know, I think for me, he is still the number one quarterback in the NFL, you know, for for my money. You know, and I know Josh Allen has kind of gotten more of the headlines of late and and, you know, the way uh, Patrick Mahomes was bested by Joey Burrow in the AFC championship game and then not looking too great in the Super Bowl the year before that has taken a little shine off the luster. But if you actually watch the games and, and what Patrick Mahomes can do, he's still, to me, uh, clear number one. And as long as you have that kind of player 
as well as the difference making threat that Travis Kelsey is, you're going to have a chance no matter what. And you, you partner that with, you know, Andy Reid and Eric Bieniemy being there for so many years now. Um, the improvements they made on defense, they were still my pick to win the AFC West. Right. And so far they look every bit the, the favorite in that division. And, and it might be a situation, Tyler, in looking at the Chargers injuries, Justin Herbert is not going to be right for at least a couple months. The Raiders own three. We're hoping that the Broncos figure it out, but they may not. The Chiefs may end up running away with that division. Yeah. Once about to be heading into the season, the most competitive in all of football. Right. Right. You can't give games away like you get against against the Colts, but mm-hmm. um, if they play to their potential, I mean, watch out. We'll see what they do in that division. Yep. Um, we have gone this long without even mentioning the Dallas Cowboys in their situation. <laughs> uh, Cooper Rush so far hasn't lost yet. Dak sounds like he's getting closer. Seemed like everybody was real quick to write off this team once Dak went down. The way Cooper Rush has, has steadied the, the ship there, what do you make of the uh, situation in Dallas right now? I think, you know, I think we're learning a couple things. I think, number one, how good the Buccaneers' defense is and how much better they'll get to hold Cowboys to three points that opening night. Uh, number one, how even though they did lose Amari Cooper, a couple of the linemen, that is still a very talented Cowboys roster, you know, from, from top to bottom. Will yeah. McClay does a great job acquiring talent for that team. And so Cooper Rush, his familiarity, the investment they've made in him as a backup um, is paying dividends. And I think the Cowboys aren't as bad as we all thought they were to start the season. That 19 to three, they just look pathetic, Tyler. And and Dak goes down and, and okay, what happened two years ago when Dak went down, that team fell off a cliff. So I think this roster is a lot better than that 2020 roster. And I think they get Dak back. They get the running game going again. C.D. Lamb matures to be that number one, that drive that he had the other night to put the game away, four catches, 48 yards, and a touchdown. If he could kind of put that production up consistently and become that number one receiver that they hope he can be, then, then yeah, I mean, the way Micah Parsons has emerged, Tank Lawrence having the Fountain of Youth game that he had on Monday night, if that can become consistent, then, yeah, look out. The Cowboys, I think, can contend and, and you know, It'll be very interesting when when them and the the Eagles meet for the first time this season. I know Jerry Jones wants a quarterback controversy, but I mean, not a knock on Cooper <laughs> Rush. He's played well, but there's just not one right now. With that said, yeah. I mean, still still a, a a good problem to have. I mean, for Dallas, they have found a, a, a suitable backup here in Cooper Rush. Yeah, I mean, and when you when you have a, a a quarterback that can win games, you know, as a backup. Um, is a tremendous advantage in the NFL. I mean, we saw a couple years ago, even though Andy Dalton, we thought, you know, it's a good quarterback, you know, went to the playoffs a bunch of times with the Bengals, but the team fell off a cliff. Maybe that, maybe the, you know, the, the locker room didn't have faith in him. Who knows what that situation was, but it, it is dire many times when you're starting franchise quarterback gets hurt and what happens to the season. So the fact that they're able to stay afloat and they, and they may have to stay afloat uh, uh, two, three more weeks before Dak gets back. But I think it's a good sign. It's building confidence. And I think, you know, uh, injury should not be an excuse for this Cowboys team. Now, granted, if Dak was out for the whole season, that's a different story. But, you know, I think they're proving to themselves that they are good enough to contend, overcome a little adversity. And that can go a long way when you're talking about games in December and January.
Yeah, for sure. We're talking to Omar Ruiz of the NFL Network here on the Jones Sport this week. Uh, Omar, coming up, Thursday night football, Dolphins and Bengals. The Bengals off to a one-and-two start. They're at home, taking on a, a Dolphins team that might not have two at quarterback. I know it's still early in the season, but taking on a Dolphins team, the Bengals still trying to hang in contention here after that slow start. Is it is it too early to call this a must-win game for the Bengals here? Uh I would say it's not a must-win game. However, if they lose that game, then, oh, baby, I think Cincinnati fans have every right to demand um, outrage uh, for a one-and-three start because if you cannot beat the Miami Dolphins on two days rest after they played 90, their defense went 90 plays, about 150, 160 total plays in that game in on-field 125-degree temperatures, to fly then up north to play in this game. And this is a week after the Dolphins played in that exhausting, emotional comeback win against the Ravens, where they, you know, had that crazy fourth quarter comeback that, you know, we'll remember forever. And if the Bengals can't handle their business against a team like that without their starting quarterback being 100%, like you just alluded to, to a, you know, will be a game time decision with back, ankle injuries, several other injuries across the board. Um, then, yeah, then I, I think um, this game not necessarily is a must win, but but I think outrage would be appropriate if you're a Bengals fan if they were to lose this one. Speaking of the, uh, of the Dolphins, you know, that 3-0 start, they've looked great. The Eagles also 3-0, kind of the two big, uh, you know, breakout teams of this year. Who's the bigger surprise, you think, between the two? I think the Dolphins are the bigger surprise. I think, I think people um, – you know, ten with the Eagles nine and eight last year, um, getting to the playoffs. You know, sneaking in. I think they people thought that okay, given the, the way they drafted with Jordan Davis and and then trading for AJ Brown, um, you're like okay, this team could be something special. And if Jalen Hurts can take that next step, maybe we might be talking about them at the end of the year in the NFC. But the Dolphins, we've seen it before, Tyler. When a, when a team goes out in a big shopping spree and they bring in all these big-name free agents and all that, doesn't always work. Um, look at the Raiders. We just talked about them. And, and so you just never knew what you are going to get with the Raiders. We didn't know how Mike McDaniel would be as a head coach. Um, you know, was it Shanahan? Was it McDaniel, you know, uh, as, the, as the architect of that running game and, and how that would translate as head coach now? So, so many unanswered questions for the Dolphins, and not just for being 3-0, but the way they've won. You know, being down 21 in the fourth quarter of a game, in the second game as a, as a head coach for McDaniel's team to not throw in the towel and for Tua to show that resolve to lead that comeback. And then against, you know, what, what many people were calling the best team in the NFL in that heat, like I mentioned, to, to outfox, you know, Josh Allen and that talented Bills team. I think that, to me, is the bigger surprise of the two remaining unbeatens. Last question. We'll, uh, we'll end on this over before we go. We've got the Rams and the Niners coming up uh, on Monday Night Football this week. The Niners now have to turn to Jimmy G. You know, he took over as the starter with the injury to Trey Lance here. What do you think about this Niners team going forward? They they did not look good in that game against Denver on Sunday night. Yeah, they looked horrible. As much as we talked about the Broncos not looking good, at least the Broncos won the game. Right. Uh, and the 49ers making those mistakes and Jimmy G running out of the end zone and and, you know, taking that safety, uh, I think they'll get it cleaned up. You know, I think, you know, we can't take for granted, you know, how important practices in the NFL and, and Jimmy G wasn't even with the team 
for the off season. And he was out there during training camp off to the side, just to show that, Hey teams, if you want to make a trade for him, there's Jimmy G he's back from surgery, but right. not really involved in any of the team, um, you know, practices and, and repetitions or anything like that. So, and then obviously getting inserted the way he did when, when Lance got hurt um, is a completely different story than actually practicing during the week, which is what he did for the first time this past Sunday and getting George Kittle back. He had to kick some rust off um, from last year. If he, you know, he obviously has to stay healthy. So, you know, Debo get going, I think they will be okay. The bigger question for me anyway, is how they survive without Trent Williams. Cause yeah. you know, you know, the respect that the league has for Trent Williams. Many people consider him the best offensive lineman in football, maybe even the best offensive player in football. You've heard some of that talk in locker rooms around about him. He's going to be out for, you know, at least a month. Um, so, you know, how they can manage without him. He's so important to that run game. Um, especially, you know, we've seen Mike McDaniel, uh, how good he's been in Miami. He's not on that coaching staff anymore. How, how crucial that might be. So a lot of questions there, but again, I think they'll figure it out. There's too much talent on that team. Otherwise, the way they played on defense will keep them in games and it'll go back to Tyler, how they've relied on Jimmy G just has to make one or two plays. He doesn't have to sling it out 45 times, just has to not turn the ball over, make one or two plays here and there. And they'll be okay. And I think that'll be the formula for the rest of their season. Run the football all day long. Yeah, yeah there it is. Yeah, sure. Omar, before we go, uh, tell people where they can uh, find you. All the great stuff you're doing with NFL Network, where that is, and your uh, social media and all that, man. Yeah, well, you can find me on social media, uh, Twitter, Instagram, at Omar D. Ruiz. Uh, you can find me on NFL Now, on NFL Network every Friday at 1 o'clock Eastern, as well as the Monday Night Football Mercedes-Benz post-game show, NFL Game Day Final on Monday. So I know you're going to watch the game on ESPN. Then turn it over to NFL Network. We'll have nothing but coverage of Monday Night Football and the week that was uh, in the NFL. So, uh, yeah, so we're there. And, and make sure you tune in this Sunday on NFL Network, the return of the international, international Series with the Saints and Vikings at 9.30 Eastern, exclusively on NFL Network. We'll be watching. Omar, appreciate the time, man. Thanks for joining us. We'll talk in down the line. Thank you, Tyler. Always a pleasure, buddy. Football is Football Fix, presented by O'Connor Advisory Group. You can find O'Connor Advisory Group online. OAGKS.com, O'ConnorAdvisoryGroup.com. You can also check out the Coach Bodino's podcast out each and every Monday and Friday on Apple, Spotify, and Google Podcasts. And He joins us right now. Bo, how are we doing this week? Man, we're calming down finally. I, last week was a rough one. Uh, mostly like Rodney Dangerfield. Like, hey, I think your last week was a rough one. Uh, the markets were crazy last week. We got a lot of phone calls in. We called a lot of clients going out just to make sure people knew we were on top of things for them. And that's really been our message with our clients right now is, hey, these markets are crazy. They are going to keep moving around, up and down and all around. We don't know what's going to happen, but we know how to protect you. And we can do that. That's what we want to do with our partners. So give us a shout, oagks.com. Hit the contact us. You can get a, directly, a message directly to me. I'd be happy to chat. Buy stock in Amazon. More on that later. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Bo, let's get to our uh, picks this week. Thomas Bridges is here with us as well. Heck of a slate of games on tap this week. Uh, college football side, all five matchups we're going to pick are head-to-head top 25 matchups. Number 10, NC State versus number five, Clemson. Clemson favored six and a half. 
Number nine, Oklahoma State. Number 16, Baylor. Baylor favored two and a half. Tom and I will be at that game. Number seven, Kentucky. Number 14, Ole Miss. Ole Miss favored by six and a half. Number two, Alabama. And number 20, Arkansas. Alabama favored by 17. Number 22, Wake Forest. And number 23, Florida State. Florida State favored six and a half. On the NFL side, the Chiefs and the Buccaneers. Game could get moved to in, could get, get moved to uh, Minneapolis, but right now, as it stands, the Chiefs are a two and a half point favorite. Bills and Ravens. I don't know why the hell this game's at noon. It's a hell of a game. The Bills are favored by three and a half. Dolphins and Bengals coming up tonight on Thursday Night Football. Bengals favored by three and a half. Tua is a game time decision. Jags and Eagles. Eagles are favored by six and a half. Rams and Niners rematch of the NFC Championship from last year. Niners favored by two. So, ball, let's get started uh, on the college side of things. NC State and Clemson. Clemson favored six and a half. Who do you got? Okay. I, I'm not going with the frauds. They're, they're frauds. The fake Death Valley, the fake frauds. The only thing interesting to me about this game is this will be the first Pat McAfee fa- uh, uh, McAfee game. Yeah. They're doing the uh, their version of the Manning cast with Pat McAfee for this game. Uh, I'm taking NC State plus the points here. I don't think Clemson's very good, and they played with the, they went to overtime last week with Wake. I just don't see it happening again, and I'll take NC State being close, keep this game close. I think Clemson might win the game, but it's less than one score. I'm taking NC State for every reason you just said. Clemson a fraud. I don't think NC State is that great either. I think they were one of the more overhyped teams going into the country. Somehow they were top 15 in every poll entering this year. With that said, though, NC State keeps it close. I'll go with NC State to cover Clemson to win outright. How about you, Tom? The, the uh, spread six and a half? Yeah. I think that's just enough for Clemson. Give me the Tigers to get it done. Okay. Uh, Oklahoma State and Baylor. Baylor favored by two and a half at home in Waco. Bo, you've liked that Baylor team a lot this year. I have. I was on Baylor early. Thought that Baylor would win. Not only win the Big 12, but I thought they would go to the college football playoff. They had the early loss, and then they haven't looked great in the last couple of weeks. Meanwhile, Oklahoma State's playing well. I think right now Oklahoma State's the best team in the Big 12. And I'm picking Oklahoma State plus the two and a half. I'm picking Oklahoma State in the upset at, at Baylor to win it outright. Wrong team favorite here. I think Oklahoma State's the better team. Uh, I think Oklahoma State not only can keep it with two and a half, I have them winning outright, getting things done on the road here. Give me the uh, pokes. That's a two and a half point dog here. Tom, what do you got? Yeah, you got to give me the pokes here too going to be a close game spencer sanders doesn't turn it over like he did prior uh you know he could even i'll even afford him a pick uh i think osu can get it done you stop baylor's run you got a good chance i think osu can do that but it's uh to be a nail biter kentucky and ole miss ole miss favored by six and a half at home here bo i think we're going to see a lot of points on a sunday between these two or i think so too and I I really like Kentucky. I like Kentucky. I'm just, you know, the thing on Ole Miss is I think Lane Kiffin gets a little too much credit because of his flashy offense at times. Mm-hmm. But Kentucky can score points. And 
I really love that quarterback they've got. They've got Will a Levis. Good, what's that? Will Levis. Will Levis, yes. I really like Will Levis. I think he's a great quarterback. I like what they're doing. I'll take UK here. Six and a half. That, that's that's easy money for me. I'm uh I'm gonna go with uh, Kentucky here as well. Uh for the same reasons you mentioned. I, I like Will Levis. Uh Ole Miss, I think a little overhyped right now. Kentucky, uh, that's that's way too many points. Kentucky, I think, wins outright, but they sure aren't losing by six and a half there. I'll go with Kentucky to uh, to cover that margin. Tom, how about you? Yeah, I got to go with Kentucky, too. Old men struggle with Tulsa. Should have been beat by hometown Tulsa team. If Davis Brin doesn't get hurt, Old Miss drops at home last week. I'll go with the Wildcats. Okay. Uh, Bama and Arkansas. Bama favored by 17 on the road. Bo, is that too many points for the tag? I think so. I, I'm taking Arkansas plus the points. I know people are going to point to Arkansas's game last week against AM. I, I, I think that I like Arkansas's defense to keep them in games. They'll score enough points. The game's at home. It's a 2:30 game. It's not one of the big night games. I think that'll play a little part of it. Bama has gotten right in the last two weeks since their almost loss at Texas, but it's been against Louisiana Monroe and Vanderbilt. I don't think they've seen a defense this good. I don't think they've seen a coach this good all season. I'm going to take Arkansas here plus 17. That's just a lot of points in an SEC game to not take a good, talented, well-coached home team. A lot of points, uh, but I think Arkansas's got to hit a wall. They looked bad against uh, Missouri State a couple weeks ago. Had the A and M game last week, and you know, not looking great there. Uh, I'm going to go with uh, with Bama to win and cover. I think they they handle business here pretty easily. I'll go with the Tide to uh, cover that 17 point margin on the road. How about you, Tom? It's too many points, way too many points. If this was Alabama by 12 and a half, sure. I think Bama will win this game, uh, but I, I'm not sleeping on Arkansas. I know they haven't looked as good as promised, but uh, way too many points. Give me, give me the hogs to cover, but still lose. Last college game, 22 Wake Forest, 23 Florida State. Florida State favored by six and a half here. Bo, uh, Mike Norvell might be doing just enough to keep his job there in Tallahassee. Yeah, I, I've i watched him a couple times now. I saw the game against LSU. They really, for the first three quarters, dominated that game and then just kind of let it go at the end. And then I just haven't been as – I don't know, it doesn't seem like they've played quite as well as their, as their talent. Um, I mean, they've scored – they were a close game with Louisville – they beat up Boston College pretty good last week, but I really like Wake. Um, Wake should have won against Clemson last week. And while I mean I'm big on Clemson being a fraud, I think that Wake's good enough that they should have beaten Clemson uh in overtime. I think they can stay in this game, keep this game really close with Florida State. I think there's a team that's gonna be ranked at the end of the season, Wake Forest. I'm gonna take Wake Forest plus the six and a half. Okay. Uh, I'm going to disagree with you. I'm going to go with Florida State. I'll take the home team here. Their their defense impressed me uh, in that LSU game. I think that they can slow down Wake Forest a bit compared to what they did last week. 
I'll take Florida State to uh, win and cover that six and a half point margin at home. How about you, Tom? This is a tough one for me because I like what Wake Forest did last week. I thought they were really great, and I think they should have beat Clemson. I think a couple of mistakes or a better coach or, you know, I don't even want to call it, but I'll say a flip of a coin, and we're looking at a different game and maybe game day not being at NC State Clemson. For what it's worth, down game maybe hung over from the from the atmosphere. I will go Florida State, six and a half. That's fine. Okay. To the NFL we go. And as things stand right now, this Chiefs-Bucks game will be played in Tampa with the Chiefs favored by two and a half here. Bo, uh, really strange circumstances for this one. Um, does it favor one team or the other of the unknown involved with this game? I think in theory it favors the road team because you're already planning on traveling anyway. I think it also favors the Chiefs in the fact that if you go to Minnesota, you're not going to Tampa where it's going to be extremely hot. If you look at like the game last week between Miami and Buffalo, the heat was a big factor against Buffalo. They really weren't ready for that. Either way, I like the Chiefs to win here. I like them to cover two and a half. Whether that game's played in Tampa or in Minnesota, I above the theory and of the position right now that Tampa Bay Bucks are very overrated. They're not as good as a two and one record. Brady is completely and totally washed. He can't throw a ball more than 30 yards right now. They're going to have to get Leonard Fournette to run the ball 30 times in order to be competitive with the Chiefs. I just don't think it's going to happen. I think the Chiefs win this game in a big way. So I'm thinking the Chiefs laying two and a half to me is easy on. Andy Reid doesn't lose back-to-back games very often. And last one, they let that one slip away. Had no business losing to Indy. Uh, Tampa's got a lot of work to do. Uh, I think the Chiefs win and cover that two-and-a-half-point march. I'll take KC as well. How about you, Tom? I'd be shocked. I agree with Bo. Tom Brady, oh, man, maybe I'm writing my own freaking obituary here for my own team. Tom Brady looks washed. He looks trash. I know he didn't have Mike Evans last game. The Packers haven't looked that great, like – Am I the only one to say that Packers Bucks game was just super freaking underwhelming? Oh, it was, definitely uh, was. I mean, um, on like I'm I vomit. Why don't you? Um, you know that was not the Brady Rogers game I used to know. Uh, give me Mahomes. Give me Andy Reid. Give me. The rest of them, you know, I, they got to they're not winning. They're not losing two in a row. They're not coming off this. And you could say maybe the same about Brady. I don't care. Age, age, father time's coming. Bills and Ravens, uh, the Bills favored by three and a half. They're coming off a, a loss. The Ravens, why I'm taking the Bills here, the biggest reason, Bo, for me, and why I like Buffalo cover three and a half is the uncertainty at the left tackle spot for the Ravens. Um, You have a situation where Ronnie Stanley still hasn't come back. They're all pro left tackle, still hasn't played yet. He's day-to-day. And then, uh, you know, what they potentially could be starting a rookie in Daniel Falalele, 
uh, who isn't even a left tackle at that spot. Lamar Jackson's played really well, but he's been running for his life and has no protection here. I, I, this game, for me, as much as I like Josh Allen and that Bills offense, I think it's the Bills defense that finds a way to win this game. Yeah, so I was concerned last week when the Bills didn't have five starters. and They've lost Micah Hyde for the season. This week they went and signed Xavier Rhodes to help him out with corner. I mean, he's as good as you're going to find in this situation now. Um, I like Buffalo here. I'm more worried about three, three and a half. This is going to be a close game, I think. And I like what the Ravens are doing, but I just don't think he, he, that Lamar can run around against the Bills front. That's going to be an issue. And I look for like a big sack late in the game or a big strip from one of the two defensive ends that kind of puts it away for Buffalo. I'm going to take Buffalo minus the three and a half. I'd be a lot happier if it was three and not three and a half. So, like, if you're on your DraftKings app, I'd buy that half point down. Um, but, yeah, I like Buffalo here. Okay. Uh, two for Buffalo. How about you, Tim? Um, it's, uh, apologies. Where's this game at? This game is in Baltimore. Baltimore. And the Ravens are dogs by three and a half. Yes. Go ahead and give me. Go ahead and give me Baltimore. Three and a half is a little too many. I think it is a field goal game. Okay, I can't disagree with you on that. It's, it's hard to take a. It's, uh, it's that's hard a to one. not take a home a home dog with that. That's that good. I mean, I wouldn't put money. I wouldn't put real money on it. Yeah. Uh, Dolphins and Bengals Thursday night football. Tua questionable tonight. Pretty much a must-win game for the Bengals at this point. Bengals favored by three and a half. Um, time for a statement win for the uh, Bengals here, right, Bo? I think so. And and this is I'm so unsure on this pick because of the Tua situation. If Tua plays, which I think he probably will, I kind of like the Dolphins. But I got to think that Burrow, the Bengals, at home, it's going to be a big game. They're going to get a rowdy atmosphere. I think this is the game where the Bengals break out. I'll take the Bengals and I'll lay the points. I'll go but with the Bengals. I'll go with the Bengals here too. Even if two is playing, he's one hundred percent. The Bengals are too desperate. They have to win this game. I'll go with the Bengals to win and cover three and a half. How about you, Tom? Sorry, I couldn't get off mute there. Um, you know what? The Bengals, you said, are three and a half? Yes. And Tua is playing. Well, well we don't know. Well, I'm, I'm not I'm, I'm not certain then, so I will go ahead and take the Bengals. I think if Tua plays. I, I, did you guys see him come back in the second half, get hit, get up, fall down, try to get back up again, and then crumble back to the earth? Yeah, that is not okay. And yeah. uh, and I understand the league is looking at it. Yeah, um, two of the hottest teams in the league, the Jags and the Eagles. The Jags looked awesome last week against the Chargers. I think they're the favorites to win the AFC South right now. The Eagles, as good as any team in football, and the best team in the NFC. Eagles are favored by six and a half. It is Doug Peterson's 
return to Philadelphia. I bet he actually gets a welcome return, considering he won a Super Bowl with them. Uh, with that six and a half points, Bo, is that too many for Philly? No, it's not. I I I really like what I see with the Eagles. I do. I just think that are you calling are... the Jags frauds? No, what I'm saying is the Jags aren't there yet. I uh, I mean the Jags took advantage of Herbert being hurt last week and not playing well, but I liked the Eagles have improved every week. I love what Jalen Hurts is doing. I think he's – if I hate – I wouldn't want to give an award at the three games. At the three games, he's my MVP in the league. I will take the Eagles. I will lay the six and a half. I just think we'll see a better Eagles team show up. And I think that Jacksonville – I think there's some improvement in Jacksonville. They're just not – they're not good enough right now to play with a really, really good Eagles team. I'm like, I think the Eagles are one of the top five teams in the league right now. I think the Jags are where the Eagles were last year. I don't think so. Not yet. Not yet. The Eagles, they were the last team in the playoffs last year in the NFC, the very last wild card. The Jags are on track right now to win the AFC South. Um, I think they're comparable to what the Eagles were last year. Um, with that said, the Eagles at home, the way they've been just – Thumping teams the last couple of weeks. I think the Jags can keep it a touchdown, 10-point ball game, but I don't like the Eagles to cover here. How about you, Tom? Yeah, go ahead and give me the Eagles, too. Uh, this is not your 2017 Jags team going to the AFC Championship. They should win the AFC South. I mean, obviously, it's not going to be the Texans. Uh, you know, a lot of people would ride off the Colts, and then they beat Kansas City uh, by Kansas City's own – faltering and Tennessee the way bad. yeah Tennessee doesn't look good and the Jags are out here kicking ass and taking names early it's not your 2017 Jags team though and and this Eagle team looks prepared to make a playoff run uh this is gonna be a great game but I will take the Eagles last one Rams and Niners San Fran favored by two Tom we'll start with you this time the Niners have had the Rams number, but not in the most recent matchup. Niners favored by two here. Uh, you know, Jimmy G, I wouldn't say he looked bad, but I don't think he looked good. I would say he looked bad. Well, see, I was trying to be generous. Um, <laughs> the Rams that the Rams have looked better. They look like they're finally getting their shit together after a quick Super Bowl hangover against the Bills. Um, give me the Rams here. You're going to give me two points. Uh, I'll take it. I mean, it's going to be a good game. It always is divisional game, but you know this. This is the Niners team that that didn't beat the Broncos team. The Geno Smith beat. Transitive properties don't always work, but I think it makes sense here. Give me the Rams. The Niners got a lot of problems right now. The Rams, one bad week. Uh, I think the elbow for Stafford is looking better, and you're giving me two points to work with. I, I like the Rams outright, not just to cover, but I like them to win outright. Give me the Rams at plus two. How about you, Bo? All right, so I was told earlier in the week, I looked – on Monday, I saw that the Rams were a two-point underdog, and I went, 
What? Um, I know it's at San Francisco, but Jimmy Garoppolo is an absolute. I mean, we call Clemson a fraud. Jimmy Garoppolo is like a Brett Favre stealing money from from the welfare system kind of thing. Mm. He's awful. He looked awful in that game last week. He's a terrible quarterback. He is the worst starting quarterback in the NFL. Whoa. Bar none. He hurts his own team because his own team doesn't respect his passing abilities because he has none. The Rams are going to kill the 49ers. This game will not be close. The Rams will win. Tom, you're right. Had a little bit of a headache, a little hiccup week one as a tough game against Buffalo. Yeah. Give me the Rams. I'd lay five. I'd lay six. I, the Rams going to win this game by double digits. Oh, man. Like, listen, don't make me drive to Lawrence to jack you off. Because I'm telling you, <laughs> Jimmy Garoppolo is awful. I mean, the man got a safety. And if he hadn't got the safety, it would have been a pick six. He could have given the team eight points on that play. There should be a rule written, a Jimmy Garoppolo rule that allows you to give a safety and a pick six just for him. That's how bad he is. Did you guys see what happened on Twitter after that play? All oh, the yeah, the, the Dan, Orlovsky. Dan Orlovsky comparisons, yeah. All the, and like people are like, Dan Orlovsky's off the hook. Dan Orlovsky's a better quarterback than Jimmy Garoppolo. <laughs> Jimmy Garoppolo think about it. Jimmy Garoppolo is so bad that that the 49ers took three first-round picks to get his replacement. Then they kept him because of his contract. And they let him play last year, let the kid – because, I mean, Trey Lance needed time. He needed time. He was coming from a smaller school. There was at no point in time a situation where this season the 49ers were even going to consider – Jimmy Garoppolo is their starting quarterback. They tried everything they could to trade him. They were going to cut him, but no one was going to take him. So they went ahead and said, well, we'll just pay you this much. Garoppolo knows he sucks because there's nobody on God's green earth that would have taken a $15 million pay cut to stay with the team. That's how bad. He knows he sucks. They know he sucks. They changed the whole offense around him. They cannot throw the football with Jimmy Garoppolo. And if you're just going to run the football, what do you think the Rams' defense is going to do? I mean, this is going to be ridiculous. Aaron Donald might have 30 tackles in this game. And you got no Trent Williams. The best left tackle in football is not playing. That's the, that's the biggest key. I mean – you going to give me Garoppolo, take his best offensive tackle, the guy who's a Hall of Famer at left tackle, maybe the best in the game, probably the best in the game. No, he had no chance. That's that's the they're no going into a, they're going spot. into a fight. They're like a one legged man in an asking contest, and they're going to get their ass kicked. It's this is going to be a slaughter, an absolute slaughter the other way. So that was our pick segment this week. Now let's uh, continue with Coach Bo. Here on the football fix this week. And Bo, I want to ask you about this whole Brett Favre situation. Yeah. Um, personally, I've seen a lot of media coverage all over the place. Other people, not so much. But 
I still find myself very confused of what the hell is going on here with uh, this Brett Favre deal. And, I mean, obviously he's a scumbag. Yeah. But what is the level two, the scumbagness of Brett Favre here? Okay. If people don't know the whole story, if you're just reading ESPN.com and just watch sports, you probably don't know much about it, honestly. Um, I made the point on my podcast on Friday saying that the coverage of this has been very little in certain circles, especially anybody who partners with the NFL is afraid of pissing the NFL off. I would tell you, if you want to investigate this yourself, you want to read about it, MississippiToday.org has had great um, reporting on this. In short, what has happened is Brett Favre, amongst a few others, set up a not-for-profit organization. In in essence, what they did with the help of the then governor of the state of Mississippi, they were able to divert funds from the Mississippi Welfare Fund, give it to these not-for-profit organizations. He was not the only one. We've seen in the report that I saw, so there was $77 million worth of this fraud that's been caught so far. The amount that's been put forth with Favre, at least with, with the end of what Favre was doing, is about $5 million bucks. What Brett Favre was doing was first he took about a million dollars, a little over a million dollars in appearance fees for the state. And then after that, he helped raise $5 million for the University of Southern Mississippi's volleyball team to get a, a new arena just for volleyball. Now, that's pretty cool, you'd think, that he, Brett Farr, the big alum from USM, is going to come in here, raise a bunch of money, help the alumni out. Well, turns out his daughter is on the volleyball team. And how they raised a big chunk of this money is specifically through this for lack of a better term, an illegal scam. It was taking money, and he's not the only one that done this. There's been the person who was in charge of the Mississippi the fund from the state side has pled guilty. They've admitted up to seventy-seven million, like I said earlier, in gross conduct. The name of the fund is the Temporary Assistance for Needy Families, the TEMP fund, and. This is money that's taken out of the state budget to pay for, you know, to help those who are less fortunate. It helps them with food programs, helps them with welfare programs for housing. And instead, this money was sent over to certain not-for-profit organizations, which is not uncommon in and of itself to give money to not-for-profit organizations. You think, you know, locally in Kansas, we have things like just food or uh, different pantries. I mean, but those have to be regulated at a very high level. It sounds like once people started going into the books and they opened up the books, they found, oh my God, there is a whole bunch of things going on here. First, Barb was paid a little over a million bucks to speak and to promote the program, the program, the TANF program. Now, there was an article that came out about two weeks ago that Favre is dead to rights on. This is a text from Brett Favre to the then governor, to the assistant of the governor of Mississippi. Quote, if you were able to pay me, is there any way the media 
can find out where the money came from and how much. He knew up front that even if it wasn't illegal, even if he was told by somebody, hey, this isn't necessarily illegal. Now, it is. But if it wasn't, he at least knows it's immoral. He doesn't want anybody to find out. He took a million bucks. And if you recall back during the early summer, there was an article, there were some things that came out about Brett Favre getting some money from the state, which he eventually paid back. And he did, to his credit. Well, now we're seeing as part of this not-for-profit, he took money from a welfare program to build a volleyball center for the University of Southern Mississippi. I don't know what, if it makes you a scumbag, I absolutely think it does. I've always thought Brett Favre was kind of a scumbag anyway because of the stuff with you know, Jen Sturger and a lot of the, the tape. Yeah, not the first time he's gotten in trouble uh, for texting. Yeah, the text is not, it's not new to him. Take away his phone. Yeah, he is not a smart man. Let's just be very clear. He is not an intelligent man. I've heard even more damning stuff from people who liked him. I, I don't know if you listen to Andrew Brandt, but I was listening to Andrew Brandt's podcast last week. This was the guy that was his general manager when he was when Brandt was the Packers. Favre was one of his guys. And he said, one of the problems we had with Brett was every other offseason, he'd come to us wanting to restructure his contract because he needed cash. So they were taking some of his salary and making it a bonus. And I can recall once I heard that story, going, wait a minute, I remember hearing that more than once. Turns out it's because he's just not good with money. Yeah. And he likes to spend it. I mean, he's kind of a hit in Southern Mississippi that, you know, ain't real fucking bright. This the guy didn't know what a nickel defense was till his second year in the league. Yeah. I mean, this is – I mean, look. This guy I broke the record for interceptions in NFL history. And yeah, and I know a lot of people like Brett Favre, and there's the whole Madden thing, and, you know, Brett Favre, and, and he's a, he's a, a likable good old boy. I'm not sure that he's a, a villain – but he damn sure is a scumbag. Yeah. So I I would point you toward, if you want to learn more, mississippitoday.org and The Athletic have some great reporting on the whole thing. I so find the whole thing this. very interesting. Last question, then I'll move on on this. Yeah. As far as Favre goes, um, what's the end game? Can he be sued? Can he go to jail? I mean, it, how far it, can this go? Technically, he could... Uh, be convicted of a crime. I don't think that's going to happen. They've got the person they want. The person who was the head of the of the of the whole deal. They've got it. Uh, I don't expect that there'll be any criminal context for Favre at all. I do suspect that that not for profit organization is going to see some issues, and I think this is going to he's going to take a huge kick in the kick in the nuts as far as ever doing anything for charities ever again. Um, but I don't think that he's going to see anything more than just he he committed a crime in a way. I mean, it, well, he did commit a crime. He committed, he was part of a criminal conspiracy when it's all said and done. However, he's not the end game for the conspiracy. Right. The end game is the administrator of the Tenth Fund and the governor. And Favre isn't going to get you either of them. The guy from the Tampa has already been convicted. He's already pled guilty. I think he's taking the, the bullet for everybody. 
So I don't think it'll be anything criminal against Brett Favre. He'll never get indicted for anything here. I think it would take a lot of steps to get to him being indicted. And frankly, no one has any interest in doing that. That's not really what public needs in this case. Right, right. Public needs these people to understand that just because you have a name doesn't give you the right to steal from people. Right. Yeah, especially in a welfare fund. Yeah, that's a good point. that's just it, it to me. That's the thing about it that's just distasteful to me. Right, is that it's taken from taken from a government situation and like that, but also from the I mean the a program set aside for others. Right, the most in need. That's just to me. It's just damning. Yeah, it's bad. Um, let me ask you. You know, we we were talking with Omar Ruiz in the NFL Network earlier, and you know this this young era of quarterbacks and. Even uh, even the guys that we think feel young, you know, the Patrick Mahomes and the Josh Allens of the world, I mean, Lamar Jackson's, those guys are vets now. And I'm looking at the guys even behind them. Trevor Lawrence took a big step the last couple of weeks. Yeah. The best thing for him was getting away from Urban Meyer. Doug Marone, Doug, or Doug, Marone, Doug Peterson's really bringing a lot of good out of him. He's looked good the last couple of weeks. Tua, I know he got hurt last week, but he has gotten off to a good start to this year. Um, you know, Mac Jones looks like he's taking a step back. Zach Wilson looks like he's making his return this week. What do you make of some of these uh, these these younger quarterbacks and what we've seen here in these first couple of weeks of the season? Well, I'll tell you the one that you didn't mention that's been the most impressive to me has been Jalen Hurts. Yeah. Right now, I mean, you don't they don't give away awards in three weeks, but Jalen Hurts is the MVP of the NFL right now. Yes. I go Lamar, but I mean Jalen Hurts is a good choice. Yeah, too. I mean, I wouldn't argue. I wouldn't and it's it, it's a close one to me. But Jalen Hurts has been great. Yeah. Um, and they're real good. It, you brought up a great question, and I think it's important to look at this. We don't have a lot of these like veteran guys. I was talking on my podcast about this with Uncle Rico, and we were looking at all the quarterbacks. And I said, man, you got Brady, who I'll come out and say, I think it's just washed. I mean, he does not look good at all. We got Rodgers, who still is Rodgers, but there's some issues there in the offense. But Russell Wilson hasn't looked good. But these young guys, and I think you said it well, guys like Mahomes, like Allen, like Lamar, they're still young guys. They're still 25, 26 tops. How old is Patrick Mahomes? Mahomes is uh, 26. 26? I mean, that's he's not even to his prime yet. Right. And yeah, we're in a we're in a class right now where you look at the quarterbacks in this league, and there's a dozen of them that are better than just about anything from a generation, from two generations ago. Yeah. I mean, you look at, and I'm not saying they're going to all have that great career because we just don't know. But, I mean, you can look at Lamar, who should be getting a huge contract. I mean, he's just played himself into – he's played himself into $300 million guaranteed. Yeah. Um, I, it, You know, Mahomes and, and, and Allen have gotten their money. Justin Herbert is playing well. He's you know, he got the rib thing now, but he's – how good is he? Joe Burrow's excellent. Um. You know, I really like Jalen Hurts. Tua's looked great for the last three weeks. This was brought to my attention. 
since last year. Remember the Dolphins started one and seven last year? Yeah. You know that their record is since then? And then and then like ten and oh. It's eleven and one. Eleven and one, yeah. He's eleven, eleven and one his last twelve starts. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And remember those first seven where they lost those games, those seven out of eight games. They were losing games by two points, three points. Right. They were in all of them. I, and I was a guy that was like, hey, if, if he doesn't have it this year, he's done. He, he's he got it. He does. I think we are in a quarterback situation. You mentioned Trevor Lawrence has looked great. I mean, he's always had skills. It's just a matter of putting it together. And Yeah, uh, Peterson's the best coach you could have for someone like that. It's unbelievable. And now we're going to have some other young quarterbacks. I don't know how it's going to work with other young quarterbacks in the future trying to come in, but it's going to be hard for other young quarterbacks to get into this league now. Yeah. And teams are going to be fighting for some of these young guys. God forbid any of these guys ever hit true free agents. Right. I mean, it's, Teams are bending over backwards for these guys right now. They, they frankly they need to. And we haven't even mentioned like Deshaun Watson, who is as good, if not good, as everybody. You know, we don't like when we get off the field, but talent-wise, he's there. We've got a dozen of them. We've got a dozen really good quarterbacks that are all 26 and under. Yeah. And the guys on the way out, the last probably two or three, I mean, we've had Peyton Manning and Drew Brees have retired. <clears throat> Pardon me. Brady's going to retire any year now. I mean, he probably should already be gone. Boy, Rodgers doesn't look like Rodgers last couple of weeks. And, and Wilson certainly doesn't look like he's found the right spot there in Denver. I don't know who the veteran guys are. Yeah. So you're all in on Tua now. I, I think so. I, I So you're a I member of Tua on. Well, I, yeah, I guess. I like the situation. Okay. I like that he's got weapons. The, the the team believes in him. The coaches believe in him. They've got a good defense. And the fact that they can play fast helps. I mean. It looks like a college offense, Mike McDaniel. It, do, it does. It very much so. So does the Eagles with Jalen. And I think that that's what's important is getting the offense to that young quarterback. That's right. Uh I think it's pretty great. Um, we'll see. I, I'm, um, I'm, those two guys in particular, Tua and Jalen, Jalen Hurts, I'm really happy to see are doing well because they're two guys I was rooting for to do well, even though they both went to Alabama. Yeah. Uh, let's uh, talk some college football now. Oh, uh, I do have one more thing for you, though. Okay. You know how you and I have had the um, – we call it the Ryan Tannehill rule? Well, it's my rule when you adopt your rule. We've stolen it over. We've taken it out of our our podcast as well. We're going to have to rename that rule, Tyler. Tannehill ain't in anymore. No, I agree. And it was, it was like the really kind of depending on the week, it was like the Tannehill Derek Carr rule. Derek Carr ain't in either. So we got to find a new, like, bottom of the barrel line quarterback. Yeah, I don't know who that is. I'd have to go ahead and rank them. But I was going to tell you, maybe that should be what we can talk about next week. We can do a little rankings in between now and then. Is it see who is the is new it like Dak? Is it Matt Stafford? Dak might be it. 
Deck might be it. Stafford might be it. It's hard to put a lot of the young guys ahead of them. Right. But if you look at the upside talent, they're just increased. Some of these young guys are incredible. Yeah. But it, it might be Dak. And I like Dak Prescott. I do, I too. Boy, he's got, he's got, my man's got some bad luck when it comes to getting hurt last couple of years. This is fluky stuff. Okay. So yeah. I'm making an executive decision right now. Okay. Um, we are renaming this the uh, the Dak Prescott rule. Dak Prescott, you gotta be, you have to have Dak Prescott or better at quarterback to be a Super Bowl contender. To and also to be worthy of a franchise uh, salary. Yeah. To be a franchise, yes, okay. To give that long contract to it, yes. Yeah, uh, and so we go from we've transitioned from Tannehill slash Carr to now Dak slash Matt Stafford. Yeah, I've always had Tannehill ahead of Carr, so that wasn't the big thing for me. It was always Tannehill, you know. But uh, but Tannehill is an example of a guy who fit a system. Yeah. Hey, I got a question for you again. One more on the. Okay. I know you're a Ravens insider. Lamar's gonna get this money, right? If he doesn't get it from Baltimore, he's gonna get it from somebody. He's playing so uh, good, he's gotta get paid. There, there's no chance they don't at least franchise him, right? They'll franchise him, but. If they don't give him the guaranteed money he wants, then I think he demands a trade. This is about guaranteed money. This isn't yeah. about salary. No, I mean, he seems like and the Ravens are afraid to give him the guaranteed money because of the injury history. Is it that, or is there an actual problem with getting the cash? Because I know that's been a problem for other teams. Ravens got money. Okay, they have the money because you get to put that money. I in think the they're restaurant. afraid of the way that he plays, his style. And the fact that he's already dealt with injuries, I don't think that they want to give that guaranteed money. Well, I like to know who they think they're going to get this way better. Right. I mean, I, I think you go with the one you got, and he's he's really good. It's it's one of those deals where I think you just have to bite the bullet. I mean, maybe you you're not him. giving him a ten year Mahomes contract, but I sure well, as hell would sign up for five. You found him, and you know he's there. What's the use of even if you traded him for three number ones? What's the use? What's the what's the percentage you're going to get a guy as good as him on any of those three picks? It's the it's the only thing. It's the idea of what Seattle's doing of banking on that you're going to benefit of a quarterback being on a rookie contract, being good everywhere else. Yeah, I mean, so, I, anyways, you go ahead. I appreciate it. College football um, this past week, Oklahoma gets upset. Uh, you know, they go down. We see Miami went down. I mean, several other teams here. Um, you know, USC did not look good. Clemson almost lost. Michigan didn't look good. Um, I'm convinced, Bo, Georgia's the only elite team in the country. Everybody else looks like they're fighting for second right now. I put Ohio State with them. Mm, I, I think mean, Ohio State. Notre Dame game, what they didn't look too hot. I like. I see. I think. Well, I mean, Georgia just had a game where it was real close too. Against they, it was a twenty-one point game against who they play last week, Mercer or something. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think if I was looking at it, and I, I've said this, I think that the top tier. I think it's Georgia and Ohio State, and then I think it's a drop off to Alabama. 
and then another drop off to the tier with Michigan and USC, Kentucky, and Tennessee, and Oklahoma State. Yeah. And you notice, you notice who I didn't put in there? Who's that? The frauds. The Clemson Tigers. Yeah. Frauds all around. Yeah. I was hoping you would say OU. Well, I they they're not in yeah. there either. I, I really think the best team in the Big Twelve right now is probably Oklahoma State. Hey, listen, we're gonna be at the Baylor Oklahoma State game this weekend. I don't need any bad juju. <laughs> That's I'm not really, bad juju. He's sending good vibes. Hey, yeah, listen, I, it's it's a uh, rat poison, goddamn. Tom yeah. wants it both ways. If you said that OSU sucks, you know he'd be pissed at you too. So yeah, I, I like flying under the radar. Nah, I mean if, if Bo he, no man, if Bo was going after Oklahoma State, you'd be letting him have it right now. Yeah, well, kick the door, kick the door in and tell everybody you're a bad motherfucker. You ought to do. Man, I hope so. Well, I mean, we're gonna go whoop the Baptists this weekend. I hope. <laughs> Here, here's here's the part. They don't even sell beer or any alcohol in McLean Stadium. And you act like you're surprised. Well, I mean, you can't be mad at BYU and the Mormons. They're no different. They didn't sell beer at Notre Dame game last year either. You know, the only difference is that the Baptists don't want to knock on your Airbnb door in the morning. <laughs> you know, you don't you don't get the wake up call. Like you do in Provo. I, I'm just not going to argue any of the fundamental. I'm going to that. We're going to move on and talk about the Pac-12. Let's talk about yeah. <laughs> I, I'm open to all races, creeds, and religions here. Yeah, we're, we're not going there. Uh, as long as you don't knock on my door. Uh, <laughs> the Pac-12. You might be knocking on the Pac-12's door uh, trying to find employment here. That, that, that conference uh, – is uh looks like it could be falling apart with a new report from Dennis Dodbo that yeah the uh the Big Ten is looking at four Pac-12 schools, Cal, Stanford, Oregon, and Washington. And if you thought they were done in the TV stuff, it doesn't look like they're quite done yet. That there's an idea of giving Amazon or Apple an additional TV package. That would be like Big Ten network level type games. Yeah. Look for another $100 million potentially and add those four schools and then say sayonara to the Pac-12 basically as we know it. I mean, they could technically still exist, but they wouldn't be what they are. Yeah. Um, and then you could have schools go to the Big 12, follow suit after that. Um you know what? What this reminds me of, Bo. Remember when the Big Ten brought in SC and UCLA? They were in the middle of the TV negotiating rights. Added those two, then got the TV deal done. Now in this case, they're like, okay, wait, there could be more money out there. Now let's add these guys and then go back to the negotiating table here. I mean, Kevin Warren. Uh, he is very good at this TV negotiation thing figured out. I mean, they are they're squeezing every dollar they can here. Yeah, first off, if there's an exec of the year in sports, it is the Big 12's commission or the Big 10's commission. Kevin Warren, far in a way, yes. I mean, what a job he's done. If he pulls this off, 
and gets more money from Apple or Amazon, my guess it would be Amazon. I mean, I I think they were looking at making this kind of thing happen. I mean, you see what Amazon's done with Thursday Night Football. They're willing to spend money. The production looks great. You know, oh, I mean, yeah. why would watching you? Thursday Night Football and it's like the greatest presentation screen I've ever seen. It's like so bright on TV. I mean, yeah, it's easy to watch. It's really easy to watch. And they and they went and got the goat. I mean, they went and got Al Michaels, and he makes Herb Street, you know, you know, manageable. I mean, Amazon. They, they didn't F around when they got this Thursday night package. I mean, it is it is kick-ass. It's yeah. easy to watch. Yeah. Um, well, I would expect nothing less if they got some Big Ten games here. They yeah. would do a great job. Well, we talked about the Big Ten, Big 12 thing when this first thing happened. When USC and UCLA, you know, since sayonara. We sat here on this show and predicted this was going to happen. That yeah. the big, we said that the, the now the Pac 12 and the Big 12 are in a competition. Only one's going to survive. The Big 12 jumped out early and said, Hey, we are interested in Arizona, Arizona State, Colorado, and Utah. Makes perfect sense. Those four schools make the most sense for that conference based on geography and in, and you're in your conference rivals already. And then you don't have to worry about what happens with the other schools. You don't worry about, you know, your volleyball team having to go from West Virginia to Oregon. Right. You know, it works. It works itself out. You've got partner schools each time. So I, I do think that this is going to be – I think this is what's going to happen. I think we'll see those four schools go to the Big 12, four schools to the Pac-10, or from the Pac-10 over to the Big 10. And that leaves Oregon State and Washington State going to the – Mountain West or something like that, which is too bad, but hey, you're not even the biggest school in your own state. I yeah. mean, that's, you know, maybe maybe they catch on with the Big 12. I don't know. I don't th- see that happening, but you never know. Right. I I think that it's a smart move. I think it's about getting this done quickly as well. I think the teams that got done early were the teams that were going to be the most successful and makes a ton of sense to me. And back to your Amazon take, I think that, yeah, if Amazon looks this good on the NFL, they're going to do the same thing for the Big Ten. And for Amazon, it makes a lot of sense because they're getting Prime members like crazy. It was the – I saw a number. I believe it was the Sports Business Journal showed this. Uh, the average Amazon customer that's not a Prime subscriber spends 600 bucks a year. The average Prime subscriber spends fifteen hundred. That's on top of the fees. You know, it, it, it's funny to me, Bo. That's easy at, money if you're Amazon. We look at these other networks, and yeah, you know, they talk about how all the time that they're losing money when they air the NFL. They 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 yeah. take on the cost of the NFL with the idea of making money on everything else, being a big promotional arm to everything else, right? Yeah. In Amazon's case here, a billion dollars a year, we're going to look at that, that's going to be nothing. The type of money they're about to make and all these members that they're adding on and and everything and all the money they're spending on talent, I mean, this is is just the beginning. We're going to be watching all sorts of sports 
on Amazon over the years. I mean, if you're the Big Ten, I know the Big 12 is trying to negotiate a new TV contract, whatever it may be. I'm telling you, I love what I've seen from Amazon with Thursday Night Football. Um, they've earned a lot of street cred. If you're if you're one of these major conferences, I, I would jump on that boat quick to try to get some games oh, on yeah. Amazon. Yeah, it is basically one million customers. The Amazon needs one million customers to get Prime in order to make back what they're paying. In 10 years at the end of this thing, a billion a year is going to look the best deal Amazon ever made because they're going to make this back. They're going to make a ton more on Prime, new Prime members. And I don't know about you, but I'm a Prime member, and I check Amazon almost daily to buy stuff. I mean, it's just too simple. It's too easy. I, they're going to be the biggest company in the world in a couple of years. They're going to pass Apple. They're going to pass Walmart. They're going to be the biggest company in the world in 10 years. And this is a great step. This is a genius of an idea to take their Amazon Prime video to this level. Yeah. I mean, it's a genius of an idea. And it's they're not losing money this deal. They will right now. They will in 2022. But in 2032, it's going to look like a freaking discount. Get ready. Big 12 football Saturday night on Amazon or whatever yeah. it may be. You know, it's yeah. it's going to be a good product. And uh, Jeff Bezos, we thank you. <laughs> well, I mean, grandmas and grandpas are going to be getting prime memberships. And then they're going to see how easy it is to get grandson and, a Christmas present or a birthday present. In the present. old, you got to figure oh it out. Oh, my God. I mean, it's so simple. I mean, it's not that difficult. No, I don't want to hear is, about the olds here. This you know? is going to be not hard. Even the older people are going to do it. And now the older, you know, if you want to call them boomers, there's less and less of them. My generation, you know, Gen Z, Gen X, we're becoming the old people now. And we use it. There's a lot more of us. I mean, it's going to. He's Coach is wicked smart on this. You can catch him on uh, the Coach Bono's podcast out each and every Monday and Friday. Also, uh, check out O'Connor Advisor Group, OAGKS.com, O'ConnorAdvisorGroup.com. Bo, we'll talk to you next week. Have a good weekend. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. Final segment before we go. It is our Tom Fullery story of the week where we tell you something ridiculous happening in the world. And this week, we are going to a place that's not too far, somewhere that I have been many times, and uh, that is... Overland Park, Kansas is uh, where we're going to today. Uh, a story from uh, the Shawnee Mission Post out of the Johnson County Library. Listen to this, folks. Officials at a Kansas library received an unusual surprise when a patron returned a VHS tape that had been checked out 19 years earlier. The Johnson County Central Resource Library said the tape Russian film Burnt by the Sun was on checkout on a seven-day loan in 2003. It was a blast from the past for us. Amy Field, a web content developer for Johnson County Library, told the Shawnee Mission Post. Sometimes they have old library stickers on them or the old ways of categorizing items. And that's always fun for librarians to see again. It was unclear whether the patron will be fined for the return. 
The library imposes a 30-day cent, uh, 30 cent per day fine on late materials, but the fees are capped at $6 per item. Field said the unusual return should serve as inspiration for any other library patrons to return their long overdue items. So how about that? 19 years and uh, it was not brought back. So a, a couple things there that, that stand out to me on this story. Um, the fact that the guy brought it back after 19 years. I mean, why? Okay. I mean, it is a VHS tape. So maybe you want to get rid of it. But at, at that point, like, it's long gone. And no one gives a damn about VHS tapes. Like, I cannot recall the last VHS tape I watched. I mean, it has been a minute since I watched any form of VHS tape. Maybe he's being funny, something like that, whatever it may be. The other thing that, that blows my mind when I look at this type of story with the, the, the VHS tapes here and you know the library and all that, I mean, who the hell is going to libraries to begin with? I mean, the people that work at libraries, too, are generally some of the worst human beings. Like... Librarians are nerds to begin with, um, obsessed with books and getting their books back on time and, you know, trying to make you be quiet in the library and all that. I mean, I don't think I could ever date a librarian. I mean, you know, some people out there, like, wouldn't date a stripper or, you know, wouldn't date, I don't know, like a bartender or something like that. For me... I don't think I could date a librarian. I think that might be a deal breaker for me. I think I'd have to stay from librarians. I mean, they're all just a bunch of stiffs, you know? I mean, like, does anyone like hang out with librarians? Like, I don't think so. I've never said, you know, wow, you know, I, I can't wait to go to a book club today, you know, or, or take part in that. And the librarians, you know, we're, we're gonna have a good time at the librarian party. You know, no, 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 I mean, librarians, uh, generally are, are not not good people. Uh, so, yeah, uh, no thanks on the, on the librarians and, and, and all that. You know, I'll, I'll pass on that. I, I think I got sidetracked ranting on uh, librarians there. But, but nonetheless, so who's going to libraries um, and dealing with these librarians, which are usually stiffs and you don't want to work with them, and then there's another factor in all this of the not only just the fact that you're actually renting a VHS, you're going to the library and working with librarians um, and the whole late fee thing and all that, like the fees. Here, here's what I don't understand, okay? Hear me out on this, folks. Like... How the hell, you know, the, these are supposed to be like non-profits. Like, what are the library fee, what does the money go to? Like, if, if I don't bring a book back on time or or something like that, I mean, and what's the point of it, too? I mean, you can't enforce it, obviously. This guy had the same damn VHS for 19 years. I mean, like, what are you doing with the money from library fines? And how can you enforce them? And, you know, like, 
what are you going to do? Okay, fine. I can't check out a book or a movie or whatever. And, and this day and age too, who checks out books or whatever? Don't you just order it on Amazon? I'd rather own it. Um, libraries, quite frankly, are just a waste of space, waste of property. We can do so much more than have libraries. Um, have I ranted enough on libraries? I, I've gone all in. I, I, I'll say this. If it hasn't been clearly established already and going forward, this show is an anti-library show. Like, we want nothing to do with libraries. Unless there's like a library that wants to sponsor us or something like that, then no, we are we are very against libraries and the money that's wasted on them and all the books and everything. I mean, I remember as a kid, they'd be pushing libraries on us. Like, oh yeah, go to the library and go get a book. You know, and and go do story time and all that. And, and I'm like, really? You know, I want to go outside with my friends. I want to go play. I want to have a good time. And you're, you're making me go to the library? I mean, how weak sauce is that? I mean, what good is the library done for anybody, uh, as far as I'm concerned? So, yeah. So, to you that actually took the time to bring back that VHS, uh, you wasted everybody's time. Uh, the fine they can't enforce on you. Don't the, the, don't don't waste your time at libraries, folks. I think we could be better off as a society if we just got rid of libraries. If we moved on from them altogether. So, my theme of the day, my lesson, what what I end on today, of what we talked about on this entire show. No more libraries. We're done with libraries for the foreseeable future. And we're giving the books back to the people. Now, I'll say this, you know, reading and, and, and literature, you know, those could be good things. But I think a, a library is a, a day of the past and the librarians are a bunch of stiffs. And uh, yeah, I mean, I, I'm not marrying a librarian. I can tell you that much right now. That's not going to happen. So uh to you that brought that back i mean who's to say that you weren't just looking for the story i mean you got us talking about it after all these years so maybe you were just looking for attention i don't know you tell me that does it for the uh, Jones Report this week. Big thanks to Omar Ruiz for joining us. You, the listener, for stopping by. Thomas Bridges and company. Uh, as always, you can subscribe to the show. New episodes out each and every Thursday. Apple, Spotify, Google Podcast. Leave us a five-star review or don't leave us one at all. You can also find us on social media, facebook.com slash Tyler Jones Live, uh, facebook.com slash Studio Soapbox uh, Twitter at Tyler Jones Live, Twitter at Thomas underscore Bridges, Twitter at Studio underscore Soapbox, Instagram, Jones underscore Report, Tyler Jones Live, and uh, Instant Thomas, you can find us there. And uh, Tom and I will be in uh, Waco this weekend, and I will have updates on our uh, social media, and I will see you right back here next week. Have a great one, everybody. I'm Tyler Jones saying so long. It's been another edition of the Jones Report. We'll see you next week.